I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Please open your Bibles to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is our passage today. And I will bless the Lord at all times. All times means all seasons. And we're entering a three-part series on the book of Psalms. I'm calling it Psalms for All Seasons. I don't know what kind of season you are in life, but I think when we reduce the seasons of life that we enter, sometimes we're in a season where things are not going well, but we're trying to live right. Pastor Chris just is in a season like that. He's living a righteous life, and a lot of exciting things are happening, but there's still challenges. Another season we'd look at is when things are going bad because we've done bad. We're in a season of deep sin. And next week I'm going to be talking about a season if we're in sin. And then finally, in a couple weeks, the third part of this series is going to be what is our response when things are going well? So that's the plan. That's the charter. And... I think it's a great time to look at the Psalms. Have you ever read the Psalms? It's the, lo- it's the longest book in the Old Testament. And, and Psalms is a book of songs, a book of poems, and a book of prayers. And it's really appropriate for where we are as a church right now. Because we had a worship retreat yesterday. A lot of you participated in that. One of the values of our church is we want to create our own songs, our own art. We want to glorify and testify to the Lord in the way that is unique to us. It's always great to borrow songs from other communities, right? But God is creative and he's put creativity inside of us. And so by looking at the Psalms, for those of you who are worship leaders and songwriters and artists, you can see a template that magnifies God, that testifies of what he's done in our lives and teaches us theology. Those are the elements. So for the songwriters and the artists in the crowd, the Psalms are really important. Another reason is, as Jessica shared, we as a church are meant to be a church of movement. We're in a very exciting season as a church. God has planted us here in the middle of Los Angeles. Because we're mighty? No. Because we're willing to be used by God to reach the city of angels. Amen? But whenever there's a great work of God, whenever God has called us to do evangelism, to go out and do city tours, and to be willing to share the gospel, the enemy is not happy with that. And so we must increase our prayer. That's why we're doing community prayer every week. And in the Psalms, we learn how to pray. How's your prayer life? Sometimes it's stagnant for me. And I don't even know what to say anymore. I just keep repeating the same things. Well, whether you're liturgical and you need prayers, you can open up the Psalms and just pray through it. Or you can use a Psalm and just rip off of it. Or you can obey the Psalms and create a new song, make your own song, make your own poem, make your own prayer to God. So the Psalms are really important for us and for this church. Who wrote the Psalms? 
Well, David, King David wrote most of them, and I think he's a good person because we can relate to him in many ways. And what I want to do in this series is, is to juxtapose a difficult situation with the art that is being produced out of that situation. Let me give you an example. The psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm 34, David was in a very low point of his life, one of the lowest points of his life and of danger, yet he chose to write a song that exalted God in that difficulty. How about you? Is that your prayer? When you're in a difficult situation, how do you respond? We're going to learn from David how to respond. So that's kind of what the plan is. And David was a, just to give you a little context, I think you know the story, many of you, but he was uh, a little shepherd boy who spent a lot of time alone taking care of his father's sheep. And in that time, he would play music, write poetry. He got to know God alone. He was neglected somewhat by his father and by his brothers and he looked down upon. There was nothing about him that looked great on the outside. God looks at the heart, not the outside, is what the scripture says. And later on, David grew and he became a mighty man. You remember the story when he killed Goliath. So he had great exploits. And then he became a mighty man of war. But he feared God. And he served under a king named Saul who became jealous of him. And so then he terrible And again, the question we're asking today is how do we respond in a season when we've been good, yet we still face terrible trouble? Let's learn from David. Psalm 34. Of David, when he was, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse five, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord God, today we want to learn how to extol your name. We want to learn how to magnify your name and to make you big in our minds and make us small. Today, we want to learn how to testify and tell others what great things you've done for us. Let it is about testifying. Testify means just tell another person what God has done for you and how he delivered you. A testimony usually starts 
with you personally, you by name, in a situation of trouble. And then God delivers you. So the second part of this psalm is to testify. And third, now I don't know if, are any of you familiar with this story? This is a good one in the Bible. They're all good, right? Uh, preachers have to say they're all good, right? Um, but what happened is David has been anointed by Saul. God has a call in his life, even though he's a humble young boy. And God sees his heart and says, you will be the next king of Israel. But David starts to grow and he starts to become famous. He kills Goliath. He kills the giant when everyone else was afraid. And he killed the giant by the power of God. And then all the people of Israel, it says that the women of Israel were singing songs. And they would sing songs like this. Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. How does that make Saul feel? Little jealous or very jealous. And so Paul, I mean, so Saul had this problem where he would love David one minute and throw spears at him the next. It got so bad that some of David's men were saying, why don't you just kill Saul and become king yourself? And he could have done that. But what did, what did David say? He says, I cannot kill God's anointed. Do you see? So David refrained from doing sin. And what was his reward? Blessings? He was a man on the run, going from cave to cave, trying to, with his mighty men, trying to save his life. It got so bad that you, you know what he had to do? He had to find shelter and he went to the king of the Philistines, the same team of Goliath, right? So David's an enemy and he's trying to see, okay, maybe if I go to this king, Abimelech is the title. Ashish, King Ashish, maybe if I go there and I say, hey, can you take me in? I'm a good guy, you know? So he's standing before the king and the chief advisor nudges the king and says, you know who this guy is? No. Who, who is he? You remember Goliath? Yeah, I know that. I know Goliath. This is the one who killed Goliath. This is the one that is said that he killed tens of thousands. So what is the advisor saying? Kill David, eliminate him. And in that moment, do you know what David does? He acts like a madman. He starts drawing on the, this isn't in the Bible, he starts drawing on the walls and starts foaming at the mouth on purpose, acting insane. And he did it to save his life. Otherwise, it would have been, John, Johnny de that's, that's Chinese for our friends here. That means cut his head off. If, if David did not act how, is, how are things going for David here? Not the best. How are things going for you? Did David do anything wrong? In fact, he did right, and he's facing this difficulty. This is a principle. So that's the backdrop of this verse. You with me? Verse 1. This is David's response. I will bless the Lord at all times. Everyone say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Is that true? Do you bless the Lord at all times? His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I love it. It starts very personal. And then he says, hey, together let's magnify 
the Lord. What does magnify mean? I already explained it, right? It's to make God big and you small in your own mind. This is a common theme in the scriptures, and a lot of us forget this. That it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about how great you are. It's about him. If God chooses to use this church and to use you within this church to reach Los Angeles for Christ, which he will, it's not because we're great and learned and so smart. It's because we magnify him and we make him great in our minds and we're just saying we'll be willing vessels. What did Christ say before he went to the cross? He was in deep prayer and he knew he's going to be tortured, right? And what did he do? He said, glorify your son so I can glorify you. Jesus' whole ministry was about giving God honor, even amidst a time of anxiousness and anguish. So bad that Jesus was sweating blood before the cross. You know what I mean? When you know something bad's going to happen, you feel anxious, right? In that moment, what do you do? Well, what Jesus did is he asked God to be glorified. What did David do? He said, magnify your name. What did John the Baptist do? See, sometimes churches get competitive and say, hey, Jesus is getting more guys than you, John. We're not in competition with any church. We are the church. Our attitude must be that of John the Baptist. Jesus must increase. We must decrease. Is that your prayer? Again, the question that we're asking is when things are going bad for us, when we're doing good, what's our response? I have this little uh, opinion article from the Chicago Tribune. And it's an opinion article, and the title is, America is in the grips of a whining. John the Baptist had this happen. Jesus had this happen. Even when you're doing good, Pastor Chris had this happen. Even when we're doing good, affliction comes. And what is our response? Our response is what? I will bless the Lord at all times. All right, I'll pump up your tires a little bit, Chris, okay? When I visited Chris Saturday in the hospital, it was a low point. It was a dangerous point. And I love that even in his message to us, his video message, what did he share? Because a lot of things get distilled in a moment when you realize your mortality. He physically lifts up the Bible and he quotes from Ecclesiastes, fear God and obey his commands says a lot about his character, says a lot about what we're about, is that in your lowest moment, when things are not going as they should, he should be doing a book tour right now, talking about church movement. It's coming. It's coming. So I think it's important to fear God in those moments. So verses 1 through 3, when we face trouble... What is our first response? Magnify the Lord. When we face trouble, even if you don't get it, say, God, I love you. I magnify you. (laughs) But don't worry. He knows that we're struggling. So the next part is testify. Look at verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my what? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. 
Verse 6. Who is the poor man? David is referring to himself as the poor man. Someone who's facing fear and shame. Now what happened in this story that I told you? What happened is this. Is that David escaped Saul. And he outwitted the Philistine king, right? He acted mad. And then he did his spittle thing. And then he escaped. And then later on he came back to him. Probably under the same king. And then he would ransack other Philistine villages and say, no, I'm attacking Israel. He's clever. But what does he do? Does he brag about how great he is? What does David do? He says, look what I did. I outwitted Saul. I outwitted this stupid Philistine king. I'm the man. Is that what he said? No. He calls himself a poor man. So when you write your songs, when you share your prayers with God, make yourself small. God is the hero of your testimony. And we celebrate testimonies here all the time. We do it at second day. We're going to do it on July 4th. Testimony is really important. But when you give your testimony, your personal testimony with you by name, that's fine. You can write a song and have something that happened to you individually. That's that's great. But make God the hero. You know, the other day we had um, a wonderful men's time. And uh, my friend Ronald and I were in a very intense cornhole match. Okay? We were down 20 to 16 against, I don't know if you heard of this team. They're, they're, the, I think they're defending world champions, the, the Filipino Connection. <laughs> I won't say any names, but there's this good-looking guy that on his last two, he got two cornholes in a row to win 21-20. But... Some people have the tendency to promote themselves, to beat their chest. But I'm not like that. Because David didn't do that. Bronze medal, Ronald. When we give our testimony, God cares about what you're going through in a personal way. In fact, in Mark 5, Jesus said, Go home and tell the people what I've done for you. See, sometimes we don't even know what to say. We don't know how to share the gospel. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Almost every one of you here, many of you have had God come through with you in a time of danger or a time of spiritual danger, maybe physical danger. Is that true? Just tell people what God has done for you. Mushin and Robert, they are new baby Christians. They were baptized in this church, I don't know, last year or a year and a half ago. They don't know a whole lot of theology, but what they know, they share. My friend Robert and I just brought some new people to church. We have some other friends coming. God is doing exciting things. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just need to know who God is. Be real with him and testify with what you know. Brian Hahn has his friend, Ray, from the Navy. He just said, hey, let me tell you what God's done for me. We did an investigative Bible study. Ray comes to Christ, growing in his faith. Brian wouldn't say, I'm a great theological scholar. Just tell people what 
God has done for you. I've told you about my friend Chad in the neighborhood. He is in a wheelchair and he has multiple physical and motor challenges. And it's very difficult to even catch what he says at times. He's just a man like any one of us. He lost his brother recently. And he, he has been going through a lot of difficulty. His nieces come up to him and say, when's daddy coming home? But Chad says, you know, I don't tell God that I wish I don't have my handicap. Jesus has spoken to my heart that in heaven I will be walking. But right now I need to give my testimony. Seems like every time I prep, I hear Chad at the door and he, I'm like, okay, it's going to be another half hour, 45 minutes. But he, God always uses Chad because Chad testifies to me. And then I tell him, stop peeling out in my driveway. And he laughs and we have a good time. Pray. Sometimes we need to get into the right mindset. And by testifying, it, it helps us, as one Methodist preacher says, get small. This one Methodist preacher that God used in miraculous ways, he used to pray and he used to call it getting small before the Lord. See, we are our own hype man. We think we're really important. We think we're great. If something bad happens to us, we need to go on social media and tell the world because the whole world revolves around me, right? No. We become small. He is big. Extol him. Number one. Two, testify. And let's look at verse thir verse 8. Now David is going to put on his professor's hat and he's going to teach. He says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 11. Come, children, listen to me. I'm going, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. He just gets to the point. Let me tell you what's important. Kids, gather around. King David's in court. He's going to tell you how to live life. Fear God. Make sure you have a good mouth. Don't do bad. Do good. Seek peace. Out. <laughs> Mic drop. No explanation. No exposition. No examples. But really to the point. I'm not as disciplined as David, so I'm going to expound on this a little bit. Look at verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. As a church, we go out to eat sometimes. Nate took us to some taco place that was sublime. Now, I could get up here and tell you about, what is it called, Pastor? I don't know, some sort of El Pastor. Nate's Mexican, so he knows. Um, El Pastor. It was amazing taco truck food. Shall I describe it for you? Or should you go taste it yourself? See, what David's saying here is, I could just go on and on on how great God is, but you need to test him for yourself. You need to taste him for himself. The Psalms are awesome. They're very visceral, very set. 
All the senses, taste and see the Lord is good, especially for the man who takes refuge in him. God is faithful. I could stand up here and tell you how good God has been for me. How when I was in my 20s, I was just lost and that I didn't have the mouth discipline that David, when I encountered difficulty, I would just say, I hate this. I hate my life. Why is this happening to me? I would just spiral myself into depression. I could tell you how God redeemed my wife's life. <clears throat> you, you know her testimony in the difficulty that she grew up in, grew up, grew up in escort clubs, being exposed to crime and abuse and alcoholism. We could tell you all about it. I could tell you how, how Alexis, I'm the first father figure in that line. The Jen didn't know her father. Her mother didn't know her father. I could tell you what God has done for my family. But none of it will matter as much as until you taste of it for yourself. If you taste and fear the Lord, all you saints. Now look how much, how many times the fear of the Lord comes up. Verse nine. Fear the Lord, saints, for those who fear him have no lack. And then he, he explains more what fear of the Lord means. 11. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Hey, what does, uh, fear mean? Fear of the Lord mean in Hebrew? What does it mean? It means fear. It means fear. It also, yes, it means respect, but that's like the third definition. It means to be in awe. Do we have a reverent awe of God? You see, I love the ocean. I grew up fishing. I go fishing every summer. My dad had a boat and he fished and my grandfather had a boat on the ocean. My family, we love the ocean. It's beautiful. There's nothing like it. It's bountiful. You can get fish out of it. Did you hear about that? Okay. <laughs> okay, you get okay, you get the point, okay? The ocean is amazing. I love the ocean. But we all fear the ocean. The ocean is not tameable. It could take your life in a moment. Jesus said, don't fear the man who can kill your physical life. Fear the one who could take your God is watching his principles. And if we disobeyed his principles, there was a price to pay. You did not want to be on the wrong side of God or the wrong side of dad. They know it too. They're in a loving home, but there's fear because any loving father will discipline. Actually, when you're disciplined by God, that means he loves you. When you're not his, he will give you up and the destruction is worse. So the fear of the Lord is serious and reverent. And if there's one thing I can impart to you today is please fear the Lord. Not that he's terrible, not that he doesn't love you. He sent Christ to bleed for you, okay? He cares. But we also have to have holy reverence. Look what David says here. Verse 13. This is a summary. Keep your tongue from evil. And your lips from speaking deceit. When you are going through a difficult time, what comes out your mouth? Honestly. 
for a lot of us, it's just complaints. The word of God says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. Your tongue is like a rudder and it can direct your life towards life or to destruction. So I guess the challenge for all of us is I want to challenge you. When you go through difficulty, what's your self-talk like? What's, what's your mouth like with your friends, with your family, with your roommates, with others around you when you're going through difficulty? God cares about that. That's an indicator of your fear of him. Secondly, it says, turn away from evil and do good. So God will look, if God wants to test your fear of him level, he'll look at your words, and then secondly, he'll look at your actions. Now, a lot of us, it says in Ephesians 2, that before we knew him, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so our whole life was about what? Was about pursuing our flesh. We drank what we wanted to drink. We ate what we wanted to drink. We used people that we wanted to use. We injected what we wanted to inject. We just consumed entertainment. It doesn't matter what's in it. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It matters what you do with it and where you go. So when we're in a difficult state, a lot of us has trained our bodies to sin with the gratifying our sinful flesh. But what the word of God says is don't do those things. Turn away from those things and do the good works. We're not saved by works, but by the power of the spirit that dwells in you, we have the ability to do good works. Do you know what the Bible calls that? Turning away from bad and doing good. It's called repentance. God cares about your mouth. He cares about your repentance. So for some of you, Maybe the Holy Spirit is identifying something in your life right now, and, and the Holy Spirit is gently telling you, hey, son, hey, daughter, you need to take care of that. You need to give that up. You got to stop talking this way. You got to stop doing these things. You got to stop viewing those images. You got to stop indulging in this fleshly desire. It's an idol in your life, and I don't want any idols before me. God might be speaking that to you. And then finally, look at verse 14. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace? What does seek peace mean? It means we have to do something. We have to seek it out. We can't just lay down and say, God, take this situation away from me. Please change my situation. We're not fatalists. It's good to pray. We want to pray. But we are meant to get out of our rut, to extol his name, to testify what he's done, and try to find peace. Where do we find peace? Church, where do we find peace? In the presence of God, in his word, in prayer, with the fellowship of the saints. We will find peace. We have to make ourselves small in our own minds. Stand before the ocean in awe. Stand before God in awe. I don't know how long it's going to take. If you've had a busy week and you go to the ocean without light pollution, you're in a quiet spot, your head's going crazy, right? You need to decompress. You need to decompress in prayer 
and say, God, you are amazing. I magnify your name. I bless your name. Thank you for what you've done. Forgive me for forgetting all you've done in my life. And you just start to extol God. Tell him what he's done for you. Tell others what he's done for you. It's not all about you. Maybe God wants to use you in another person's life by your testimony. And by doing so, God will show you something about how he can use you and use this church. So we need to seek that peace and pursue it. There's a couple of parables that Jesus tells about the gospel. He talks about a woman who lost a coin. And when she lost the coin, it meant so much to her that she turned her whole house upside down to find it. There's another one of a merchant who lost the pearl, does the same thing. How much does the presence of God and the peace of God matter to you? Are you willing to seek it out? Or are you going to lay on your bed and just fuss? We have to seek him. We have to fear the Lord. So, in review, verse 1, step 1. Songwriters, ready? (laughs) Songwriters, prayer warriors, normal people like us when we're in trouble and we've done good. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be in my mouth. Verse 6, then we testify what God's done. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Do you know there's angels around here? Do you know if we don't, do you know Ephesians 6 talks about there's a whole spiritual dimension we don't see? There was a prophet named Elisha who is doing prophet things. And so he got a king mad at him and a whole army came to destroy him. And his servant went out and he's walking his dog or something and said, oh my goodness, Elisha, there's a whole army here. And then Elisha said, open their eyes, open his eyes. And he, and the Lord opened his eyes and he could see legions of angels. City Bible Church is called to do impossible things. We are rooted in the middle of this city and we think we're going to reach this city for Christ? No, by the power of the Spirit of God. And so God will carry us through. He'll put angels in charge of us. We will testify to that. And then finally, the third main point in review is verse 11. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And God, God will judge whether you fear him through your lips, through your actions, and through how much you pursue his peace. Okay, let me pray for us. Lord God, it's awesome to read the Psalms because it's your, it's just a cry of a heart of a person who's going through challenges that we can relate to. I pray for every individual here that we would fear you, love you, pursue you because you're a holy God. Help us to magnify, help our art and our prayers and our life to magnify your name. Help us to testify to your goodness, specifically in our lives, because we allow you to be involved in all the details of our lives. And then help us to walk out.